It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. I welcome you once again to another Estate Planning Essentials Radio program. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the grateful owner of KWM Radio and co-host of this program, patently seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with my friend, my attorney, my co-host, 10 years now, at least a decade, doing this free and, I think, very special program, our estate planning expert, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Oh, Don, how you doing? Fine, thank you. Happy March, happy spring. It's certainly nice out there these days. At least it's warm and we're not dealing with 30 and 20 degrees anymore. Yeah, I know. I was kind of glad to get... Uh, this is the best time. This and fall, I like fall as well, but... Um, you know, I think it's a great. You know, seeing everything in bloom, it's just mm-hmm. really nice. It is very, very nice. Um, today, what's also very nice is the fact that you want to talk to people about something very easy and common that I think most, if not everyone, has, and that is to discuss bank accounts. And there are ways to set them up, and you think there are at least, or you know there are at least seven different ways to set those up to make sure those people's assets are protected. Yeah, and in particular, there's one that really concerns me because there's a lot of misconception about it, but we'll go over that in a second. Okay. The reason why uh, this became um, more of an issue to me is because, quite frankly, my wife and I went to open up a bank account a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I was real surprised that the way they presented it, in fact, they even told me that there was, uh, we were opening a safe deposit box, and they said, would you, do you want it POD? I said, how do you pay on death a safe deposit box? I mean, I'm just trying to figure that one out. Right. I still haven't figured that one out. That is a little unique. Yeah. And so, and then they had automatically set up the account in a way that I would not have wanted. And so I said, oh, my goodness, if that's the case, how many people out there, how many people, the bankers may not know what they're talking about. And so uh, I thought maybe if they don't know that maybe we ought to educate anybody just because if they're in that business and they're not knowledgeable, then I'm concerned that uh, the consumer uh, needs to have some education as well. They really do. I was telling you before the show when we discussed this topic that my wife, Sarah, used to also run banks, 15 of them, as a district manager, a DM they used to call her back then. And I saw some of the people that she had to oversee and good hearts meant well intelligent, but they didn't have all the answers, and sometimes they acted and spoke like they did, and that means problems for you later. Yeah, it does, or could. So yeah. So anyway, let's go over the different types of accounts Please. and what the implications may be. Well, the first one is pretty simple, just a single person, individual account, no POD, no paid on death. Uh, 
what happens, first of all, what happens in your life? Well, what happens if you're disabled? Well, do you have a power of attorney that could be able to get to that account to be able to pay your bills if you can't? All right. All right. So, uh, and then when you die, what happens then? Well, if you have a will, the bank is going to request letters testamentary. Hmm. Or if you don't, let's say it's by intestacy without a will, or if there was uh, not letters testamentary in certain situations, even if there is a will, uh, there would be what's called letters of administration. So to be able to transfer the property, the bank is going to want proof that the person has been approved by the court to have the authority to act on behalf of that account to transfer it either according to the will or under the laws of intestacy. Okay. Uh, so that's just a single-party account. So single-party account equals probate. Okay. okay. Or or an, an heirship determination if you don't have a will and there or there's a problem with the will. And just for clarification, I learned from you many many years ago. Probate is synonymous with verification. We're here to verify. Yeah, I mean the court has to say that the will is good. A mm-hmm. lot of times there's mistakes. Uh, either somebody didn't witness. Uh, somebody. Uh, oh, let's say I had somebody who's uh, the spouse. Uh, came and said, here, I wrote my husband's will, and I had him sign it. Well, that's not good. It has to be wholly in the handwriting of the, if it was a handwritten will, and we don't recommend that, by the way. Um, Or let's say the notary failed to stamp uh, the or have the seal, or maybe the witnesses failed to sign, or maybe they weren't in the presence of each other. Uh, maybe there was some sort of problem. Uh, maybe the well, anyway, it goes on. There's lots of different issues that could occur with the will, so the court has to see that the will is good, and also that the executor has to be qualified. In other words, uh, they haven't been adjudicated as incompetent, or just, uh, they cannot have been a criminal, mm-hmm. uh, a felon. Uh, they cannot be um, uh, if you're an out-of-state resident you have to have a, a personal representative in the state to collect like lawsuits of course if you're a foreign resident you cannot be an executor in Texas uh, so I say foreign I mean another country so if you're a citizen of another country uh, so in any event you have to make sure that there's a valid will and who could represent the estate before the asset can be transferred to pay after the payment of all bills. Gotcha. So it's so it's not just it's not just transfer the property. An executor has a duty first to pay off all bills. Pay off the creditors. Bills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because you I've always referred to you and thought of you as an exec estate planning attorney, but in many instances you're an estate planning detective. Well, you're right, and 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 we'll you'll see about that in a little bit more in just a second. Okay. How true those words may be. Okay. Uh, the next thing you would have is a single party uh, account, but it is paid on death. Uh, so, what would happen there? Well, it would go. The rights would go to whoever that beneficiary is of the of the account. That seems simple enough. How do you get that? Well, they're going to want to copy the death certificate. So it may take a little bit of time, however long it takes to get a death certificate. Uh, I should mention that does get to another issue, maybe another topic for another day, um, death certificates. Uh, we had an interesting case this last week. Um, usually you can only get a death certificate sometimes um, if you're a family member. Hmm. Uh, a lot of times uh, if, if, if you're trying to get a copy from somebody else. Uh, but, you know... 
Here, usually, what happens if you have a go through a funeral home, they offer they order the death certificates for you. Uh, but in any event, um, uh, there are ways to get around that issue. By the way, uh, the person didn't have anybody that they trusted, and they wanted to give everything to charity. Mm. And so it was an interesting thing was what would the charity have to do to be able to get to the funds? Interesting. Mm. Okay. Well, in any event, uh, let's go on. So a paid-on-death account, okay, it's paid-on-death, and it just takes getting the death certificate. Okay. All right. So um, the third one, uh, and and by the way, they should, the bank, this is all on their signature cards at the bank. And and they should go over those signature cards when you establish the account. That dictates over a will. It dictates over a trust. It dictates over everything. Hmm. The beneficiary designation, if there is one, supersedes the will or supersedes the trust. Right. On the single priority account without a POD, uh, it would just go according to your will or intestacy or, or whatever. The... Um, now, does that mean you should set up accounts and say, okay, I'll, I'll avoid probate or whatever? Uh, not necessarily, because a lot of times there are bad things happen to people. People become disabled. People die first. People, um, uh, you know, so that you had somebody who said, okay, I go t- I'm going to set up an account, and Don is my beneficiary uh, of my account, and I didn't have a will. What happens? Well, if he if I didn't have a any kind of contingency or didn't go back to the bank and Don predeceased me, oh well now I have to go through the more expensive process of an airship determination of how the assets go. So it'd be ill advised. So sometimes people are disabled and maybe they might lose public benefits. Sometimes they have credit issues. Sometimes they have marital problems. Uh, sometimes they have addictions. A lot of different bad things can occur. So just by having a beneficiary designation really isn't, you have to look at your facts. And and don't look at the facts just as they are today. Mm-hmm. Because whatever I tell you today could change tomorrow. And so uh, most people look at the way things are right now. Right. But you know mm-hmm. what? Life changes. And things happen that you didn't really expect um, you know, this last week, my brother-in-law got diagnosed with a terrible disease. Mm. We didn't expect that. Right. Everybody in his family lives in their 90s, and uh, he's in bad shape. Well, anyway, um, the other way, the next thing I'm going to talk about is a multi-party account without survivorship. In other words, a joint account. What happens if you have a joint account with somebody? and one of the people dies, does it automatically go to the survivor? The answer is no. Most people think the answer is yes. Sure. But that's not the case. So what if the bank says, hey, you're a joint account owner, no problem? It ain't necessarily so. <laughs> you going that for them? Yeah, really. I, I, I'm not going to be singing the song. Okay. I, I went to... Uh, uh, I guess some sort of play or something recently, and they uh-huh. were singing that, of course, Uh-oh. that famous song. So good song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in a, anyway, mm-hmm. the, the bottom line is just because you're a joint account or owner doesn't mean that you're going to be the, the owner of that account. In fact, you're not. It only it, Technically, that would go by, at least to the extent that the 
uh, let's say let's say if you're married, it could be a second spouse. Maybe it was community property. So maybe one half is owned, perhaps, by the community spouse. But the other half, let's say it was a second marriage, it could be that the uh, executor uh, may notify the bank and say, I want to see that signature card because the signature card controls. And th- by the way, this law has been around for about 170 years in Goodness. Texas, Whoa. something like that. So it's been, it's not, uh, it's not <laughs> actually new. It's, of course, law changes over time, mm-hmm. and there was some things where, and finally, it was codified. It was put in the uh, code uh, that dictates exactly. So these things that I'm reading to you are, are talking to you about rather, uh, are really uh, things that are in the code that dictates uh, how accounts can be set up. And really, when you set up an account, the bank's supposed to tell you about these things. But when I went to the bank. That wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. They said, uh, and that's what got me here, was, are you talking about this? They said, oh, joint account. I said, no, that's not what I want. I want a joint account with right of survivorship. If I die, I want it to go to my wife. Now, she would get it all anyway, but I wanted to go to my wife. And, it, and then I also wanted to go one step further that would go to our children after our death, mm-hmm. after both our deaths. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, and the bank tries to explain, but, well, all I could say is it wasn't, you know, why would they, see, they automatically were going to do the joint account. Well, Mm -hmm. they didn't even know what, and I said, well, look, bank, um, there's seven different ways to set up an account, Mm -hmm. and this is not one of the ways I want it. Right. And, you know, the other thing on signature cards is sometimes... They might say other, and then you never know if they don't go over the intent, find out what the person wants, or maybe it's inadequately worded. Then you got a problem. So if they have that word other and somebody tries to do something and they don't know what they're doing, you got a, a potential legal problem. And so what would the court, what would you do here, just out of curiosity? Well, you, if you're the executor and you, let's see, uh, you said uh, you think that the joint account owner might do something wrongfully uh, and you wanted to say that they're as part of the estate, well, you could either notify that bank or say, I need a copy of the signature card or put things on hold. Or you could do this motion before the court to say that certain funds belong to the uh, estate. Of course, if, if it was just a joint account owner during life uh, and there was a problem, let's say there's a marital problem, then you could look to who contributed how much or whatever, hmm. uh, perhaps. Uh, of course, it also that gets into a lot of variables. It could be community property, it was mm-hmm. earnings, it could have been a prenuptial agreement or something, who knows? There's a lot of different variables on that. So that gets uh, uh, into much more uh, detail. But the bottom line is, just because you have a joint account doesn't mean that the money all goes to the survivor. And um, a lot of people are surprised by that. And it's usually the case in probably in all jurisdictions in all states, I'm guessing. It's kind of like it's uh, it belongs to, if, if you have a will, the executor, uh, if you didn't have a will, the administrator of the estate has a duty to try to collect. Remember, uh, an executor or administrator uh, could have liability 
if they don't do their job, mm. if they don't pay the bills, or probably to try to collect, then the other beneficiaries, if there are other beneficiaries, beneficiaries could create a problem for the named personal representative. We've got good news and bad news. The good news and bad news is that Michael is that guy. He's the guy who walks into a bank. He probably knows much more about estate planning or banks or transferring money upon death or other vehicles you want to use, other services uh, that are out there, than probably everybody at the bank combined. I don't know where Michael goes to bank, but I'm not going to go there because they're still recovering right now, uh, I think, from Michael being there. But all, all kidding aside, the great news is Michael is that guy he, because he knows this stuff. And I've said to you for 10 years now, he eats, breathes, and sleeps it. He just knows it, and he's very current. So it's not this timeless stuff, this conceptual stuff. He's on top of it and watches the law and watches legislation, and then he's there to present to you all of the what-ifs because he doesn't want you to get into that assumption trap, and then you're stuck, and you don't realize that you're dealing with non-experts like perhaps those were at the bank. The first step in that direction is attend Michael's next workshop, which is Saturday, April the 15th at 10 o'clock. This is where you get to ask questions about your individual circumstances. You get one question, and you can bring anybody you want. You get donuts and coffee and KWM coffee mugs if you want to. And Michael didn't promote that last program, which is very upsetting to me. But <laughs> everybody gets those. Um, but the key is the, the outstanding, exceptional, free advice on what Michael thinks you should preliminarily do. That could be a another vision meeting with Michael to really go deep. Maybe give you some general guidelines as to how to address and attack your problem. But, Michael, you've been doing these for a long time, and they seem to be very successful. Yeah, we've been doing them for over 10 years. And, by the way, they don't have to only be limited to one question. And, uh, yeah, oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you could ask as many We call it a workshop, not a seminar, just because we want people to be interactive and good. ask whatever questions they may have. Uh, and I tried to answer all those questions in that two free hour estate planning essentials workshop where we go over anything that from wills or trust or I don't know that I've ever had anybody ask questions about bank accounts that we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. It just so happened that I went to the bank with my wife a couple of weeks ago and I, I was kind of appalled by the reaction and lack of information or lack of education and I said I, if 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 that's the case really people should know and a lot of people are like on that joint account people just don't know right and so well, that's what you said to me three or four years ago make sure that the trust is set up properly and that it's the trust is named properly and you actually have it all prepared and I was thinking well, isn't that obvious? And you, and then I realized it's not. Yeah. That's a different sto show mm -hmm. on trust is, mm -hmm. is a different thing because the biggest mm -hmm. mistake that people make is failing to retitle assets in the name of trust. Uh, and actually, if they have an account, it shouldn't be called trust. It's actually the trustee of the trust is, is the proper uh, title. Trustee of the trust. Okay. Uh, and so anyway, yeah, if you go to the free estate planning essentials workshop, we'll see whatever questions you might have. We try to answer whatever those things may be, as well as uh, you'll learn something not only from your questions, but you'll learn from others. Uh, to go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call 214 720 0102. That's 214 
720-0102 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. And like you said, if you go to the Free Estate Planning Essentials Workshop, a couple things. Number one, you get a free vision meeting. Now, you don't have to do that. But if you want to, that's three free hours. We could, we think that's equivalent of $1,500 hmm. without uh, any charge and just get to answer your questions. No obligation if you don't do anything, that's okay. That's a private meeting between you and the listener. Right. The extra vision meeting is a Mm -hmm. private meeting. And we just kind of look at what your situation, what your goals are, what your concerns are. And then we see, well, what are your options? And then um, go from there. If Whether you just found out your answers or you decide you want to do something, well, we'll tell you what your options are. The other thing is, is at the free estate planning essentials workshop that you just alluded to, oh, no. the thing, the real reason why people come. It's not the real is, reason. Well, some people may. <laughs> they, they, the, you know, some people come for the free education right. and, and that, fifth, you know, that three hours of free uh, education, if you like, uh-huh. two hours at the workshop, one uh-huh. on a vision meeting. But I think those people, some people, yeah. you know, uh, Mother's Day is just around the corner and they're just saying, boy. What does mom want? I know. It's that free KWM coffee no, mug. Who can it. ask for a Mother's Day that will be long remembered? No one does that. Uh, I don't believe it. Um, and when you bring up the KWM coffee mug and you over-promote it, it ends up undermining your credibility, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I better wake up and smell the coffee. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, attend his next workshop on Saturday, April 15th, on Saturday, April 15th. It's three days before tax day, so you may want to go there and get some questions answered that Michael may have some serious insight into. He's not an accountant, um, but and he will tell you that he's not a financial planner. But he could guide you as to what he would do because he has a lot of experience with banks and estate plans and government assistance. So, Michael, about four minutes left or so. Uh, Can we uh, address these seven bank setup situations a little bit more? Yeah, so I'm going to go a little bit quicker because of that. Um, First, the way I wanted to set up that account, notwithstanding the way the bank came to me with, uh, and I'd already assumed that I would just have a joint account with my wife, was not only a multi-party account with right of survivorship, not just a joint account, but also uh, paid on death. So you could have it either not paid on death. So if I just had a multi-party, just a joint account with right of survivorship, it goes to my wife. Great. Okay, that's simple enough. Sure. Uh, You show the death certificate or she she just gets the assets Mm -hmm. uh, that are in that account. Mm -hmm. Well, I think most people want that. Uh, And the second one would be, a uh, another one would be a multi-party account that after both of us die, it goes to whomever we want. In our case, that's what I wanted: a multi-party account with it being paid on death to our children. Mm-hmm. Children are no longer uh, minors, uh, and we feel like that they can handle funds at least to the extent that was in that account because uh, we didn't put a lot in that particular account. But certainly, we said, okay, we would rather. Uh, avoid probate. I trust my wife. I, it's not, you know, if I, if it wasn't, um, some people, if you, well, first of all, if you didn't trust your wife, you probably, maybe they shouldn't be your wife, but, mm-hmm. uh, or whoever your significant other is. Um, the, but then you, 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 but if you did that, then you say, okay, I make it easier for them. But again, you have to look at the situation. If you're concerned that the spouse might remarry, or maybe there was a credit issue or something, mm-hmm. uh, or disability, 
then there's a lot of different things that have to be considered, just like on any estate planning issue, or if there's a concern that there's something bad could happen in the future. The what ifs. We talk about it all the time, the what ifs. Right, right, right. So so those are two more types of accounts, a multi-party account uh, with right of survivorship and a multi-party account without right of survivorship. Then there's another thing called convenience accounts, where somebody is not an owner of the account, but they have the right to write checks on the account. So you say, oh, I don't want, uh, if I add my daughter as a on my account and she has credit issues, uh, maybe my assets could be subject to her creditors. Mm-hmm. And so, or maybe she marries somebody and she gives a power of attorney uh, to the spouse, and then they have some marital problem, and that spouse might be able to get to my assets in that account. So there's a lot of these little things that you have to think about. But a lot of times you might want a, just the right to somebody else to write checks. Now, what happens after you die? Well, after the bank finds out that the person died, there's no liability until they find out the person died, but once they find out how a person died, well, the signature authority probably should terminate because uh, they really weren't an owner. They were just had a convenience signature. Mm-hmm. Um, what, how would the bank find out other than you telling them? Well, uh, let's say somebody's getting Social Security or a pension and it stops then they could freeze an account. Okay. Now, whether they do that or not, I, I can't tell you because I guess every bank is different. But technically, if you're not an owner, you shouldn't have any ownership rights. Great. And final one, final one I'm going to tell you about is a, a kind of a trust account. So sometimes without even having a trust, you could have a basically a trust for somebody. Somebody might be the trustee and for the benefit of whomever the beneficiaries are. Uh, and so upon that person's death on the trust, uh, when the person who sets up the account's death, the trustee could distribute to the beneficiaries uh, what they trust. Now, this gets into also how many beneficiaries can you have on uh, with, you know, we talked about, uh, we, I was going to allude when you were saying which bank or something. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah, right, exactly. No, we don't want to say that once. It's just went, just <laughs> that's went the under, bank. basically. Yeah, that was the bank that earlier in March uh, – uh, that they had gone under, as yeah. may, y'all may have heard. Not but good. Yeah. Uh, but in any event, uh, I think you could get up to $250,000 uh, uh, per beneficiary in one of these trust things, uh, up to five people. So hmm. it's not just 250000 So there are, uh, under these what's called Totten Trust Rules, mm-hmm. or Trust Rules, that there could be more insurance. Uh, it's kind of an interesting thing to note, uh, and that there are these extra limits that you could have. So there's seven different ways to set up an account. Everybody could set up their account in their own way, but at least you could go armed with a little bit more education and knowing what's best for you. Good. Get that education at his next workshop. That's the best way to go, in my opinion. Don't assume anything. Don't just go with what you read online or what your neighbor tells you. Talk to Michael Cohen ask him a question or two or three at the workshop, which is Saturday, April the 15th. It's in person. It's at 10 o'clock in the morning, and you'll be very thrilled that you attended. Dial 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com. DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael Cohen, thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, 
Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free Estate Planning Essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.